Good morning, church. It's good to see you guys. I'm happy to be here. Uh, Pastor Ernesto's gone at Wheaton, like John said, and uh, you guys are stuck with me this week, but he'll be back next week. So, you know, if it's your first time here and you wanted to meet Ern, that's how we get you in, is you got to come back. Now you got to come back again. So, <clears throat> I'm excited to be here. It's a blessing to be here. I always love preaching to you guys. Um, this week, we get to start a new thing. Like John, he alluded to it, but if you haven't been here, we have been walking through the Old Testament. So, this whole year, we want to go in broad stroke. We actually, we haven't been walking through the Old Testament. We've been sprinting through the Old Testament. It's been hurting my heart, really. Like, one of my favorite books is Judges, and we did like one week on it. It's like, ah... But in order to do what we're trying to do, we want you guys to have like this broad scope and understanding of the Old Testament. So we're trying to give our church these categories. And so I get to open up a whole new genre, one that we haven't touched before. Uh, you know, we've done it before, but not in this walk through the Old Testament. We are going to do poetry. So we, and you know what, we're starting something that is not going to end for a long time because there's a lot of poetry in the last half of the Old Testament. I've been referring to this as the summer of poetry at home to my dogs when I was practicing the sermon and stuff, talking to my dogs about what I'm going to do. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure, I never ran that by Ernesto, but I'm sure if you guys just want to refer to this summer as a summer of poetry, he'll love that. Maybe Greg and Chrissy can make t-shirts. Or something, we can wear them around, Flint City Church, Summer of Poetry. But, uh, you know, poetry in the American mind is something that, you know, we're not super comfortable with. I don't think that our schools give us a good, you know, uh, understanding of poetry. Or maybe it's the American mentality, right? Like, maybe it's the whole world, but I think that we view poetry as something that weak nerds do, right? Like, that's something, you know, that's not something that a lot of men want to even admit to. Like, if I was like, hey, if you like poetry, raise your hand. about a lot of dudes would be like, even if they do, even if they have a, you know, a, a heart for Robert Frost, I don't know. I think that you guys would be reluctant to raise your hands. I actually think Ernesto scheduled his classes this week so he didn't have to do this one. Because I have to tell you right now, I'm like the poster in the library with LeVar Burton in the book. Poetry is cool. Like, love poetry. That's, I'm going to try and get us to accept that and to ease us into this huge summer. Because not only, you know, is there psalms and proverbs, uh, but a lot of prophecy is also poetry. So we're going to be doing that today. And in order to initiate the summer of poetry, I'm going to get that to stick. Uh, I want to read you guys my favorite poem. It's not a poem from the Bible. But when I was in high school, I was in an AP literature class, and we had a book that was this thick, ah, this thick, and it was just poems, and I had to read that whole book. That was the assignment, was read that whole book, and every poem, you had to write a small paragraph on every poem and what the analysis of, of it was. Guys, there were two poems on some of the pages, and the pages were like thin Bible pages. I hated that assignment. We had to read so much poetry, and honestly, I didn't do a lot of it. It's the worst grade I ever got in school. I was like, this is bull. 
this is not cool. I do not like this. Like, so I didn't do a lot of it. But guys, when I was reading, at first I started not liking poetry, but this is the poem that won me over. So John, will you throw it up on the screen? It's called, This is Just to Say. It says, I've eaten the plums that were in the icebox and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet and cold. That's the whole poem. I read that poem, and I was like, this dude's awesome. He hates poetry, too. I was like, this is anti-poetry. I was like, I love this guy. I, like, looked him up. It's like some old man. His name's William Carlos Williams. He's, like, old and wrinkly. I'm like, I love this guy. He hates poetry. But then this poem, like, stuck in my head, and I started thinking about it. It's like, man, uh-oh, this dude got me to like poetry. You see, William Carlos Williams takes this, this small scenario where he steals his roommate's plums and eats them, and he uses it as an image to express how awesome it feels to do what is wrong. He says they were so sweet and delicious. He's like, I'm sorry. It's, a, it's, a, it's an apology letter. That's what he's writing. And he's like, I'm sorry. They were so sweet and so cold. You were saving them for breakfast, and now you're hungry and reading my letter. That's so funny. That's hilarious. And guys, saying that, you know, I'm sorry I stole your plums, and then saying they're so sweet and delicious, it emotionally connects you in a way that just like a telling of a story does not. That's what poems do. Poetry emotionally connects you to things in a way that a narrative does not. And so, guys, as we enter into the summer of poetry, we are going to become emotionally connected to God the Father. As we read these Psalms and Proverbs and we see people use this flowery language and this imagery and all of these poetic devices, we are going to emotionally connect. Our hearts are going to touch with the authors and we are going to draw parallels to our own lives. It all sounds so nerdy, but believe me, poetry is cool. So, this week we're doing Psalm 1. And Ernesto told me I could do any of the first 44 Psalms. But how can you, how can you skip Psalm 1? You see, Psalms, the book of Psalms, is a collection of the writings of David and other Hebrew people. And they're a collection of songs and poems and stuff. But guys, editors, a group of editors came together and gathered these poems up. And when they gathered the poems, they had to put them in a certain order. And when they put them in a certain order, they wanted it to express a theological idea. Church, Psalm 1 is the psalm that this group of editors said, this is how we want people to approach the book. This is the overview. Like this, if you can approach this entire book, it has the most chapters in the Bible. So it's a big book. If you can approach the whole book with this perspective, you know, this is what's important. So we're going to read Psalm 1, and I'm going to walk us through it today. Psalm 1, it says, starting in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree 
planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That's it. That's the psalm. That is how the editors of the psalms want us to approach this book. So the first thing I want to point out, this psalm makes a statement. There's a progression through the psalm. The statement is this. Blessed is the man who dot, dot, dot. That's the statement. This psalm is telling us, how do you, if, do you want to be blessed? This is how it's done. Who here wants to be blessed? I want to be blessed. Everyone's hand is, even if you didn't raise your hand, your heart is raising your hand because no one wants to be cursed. Blessings are awesome. Guys, I was just at my son's first birthday party, and uh, I just reflected on it. I had like 50 people there, and everyone's coming together and, you know, making this happen for my boy. I got to watch him eat a smash cake and just think about, you know, the year that I had with him, and oh my goodness, what a blessing. Like, makes my heart swell up. Like, it, it feels so good, all of those things combined. And church, this psalm is saying, you want to feel more of that? This is how. So guys, this is the key to blessing. This is how we get blessed. That's what this psalm is asserting. So, first we have a statement. Next, we have a choice. And the psalm doesn't exactly present it as a choice but I'm going to walk us through it. So, in Psalm 1b, so the second half of 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So, right away, the psalmist gives us three things that the blessed man doesn't do. And what I'll say is, I'll stop real quick. I'll make a... So, in Hebrew... If you're talking about men and women, all people, it's masculine. So when it says blessed man, it's also talking about women. It's just the way that we translate the Bible, the blessed man. But it's talking about women too. Women, you can be blessed too with the same thing. So I just had to stop. So, but I'm not going to keep doing the shift. So blessed is the man who doesn't do these three things. Walks in the counsel of the wicked. Stands in the way of the sinner nor sits in the seat of scoffers. If you guys see, we have this poetic language, this progression of movement, or more, a regression. We have someone walking in the way of the or walking in the council of sinners. Then they stop and they stand in the way of the sinner. And then they sit down and become a part of the scoffers. Guys, it shows you becoming comfortable with sin. The person who walks in the way of the sinner will event or in the counsel of the sinner will eventually stand in the way of the sinner and then eventually sit down and become a part of the group. That person is not blessed. So <clears throat> we have that. And now we're given the thing that the person who is blessed does do. It says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So guys, the person 
who is blessed does not become a part of the group of sinners, but instead delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. You see, church, we're given a choice. I want to break this into a little bit different than what the psalm says, but it's the same idea, basically. Church, do you want to delight in the law of the Lord, or do you want to delight in the law of yourself, in the way of the sinner? Do you delight in the way of the sinner, or do you delight in the law of the Lord? Church, we're faced with this every day. The reason that the psalmist says meditates on it day and night is because day and night covers all of time, right? We have both ends. So basically what he's saying is in every decision that you make, you can either stand in the way of the wicked, sit amongst the scoffers, or you can delight in the law of the Lord. So church, it's everything we do. It's when we go to the grocery store and someone steals your parking spot. You know, it's when someone gives you a dirty look on the street. It's, it's all of those things. It's not just the big stuff. It's everything. It's day and night. And church, I got to say, this choice is presented to us all the time. I want to stand in the way of the sinner a lot. That is something I want to do. Our hearts draw us to it, right? Like, we want to respond in a sinful manner when we are slighted. But that's not the person who's blessed. The person who's blessed delights in the law of the Lord. And I'll use this example. Maybe I've told this story before, maybe not. But it's a very, like, monumental example for me, so I'll tell it. Um, last year, you know, I pour concrete. That's what I do. Uh, that's what I do for a living. Last year, I met the most unreasonable person in my entire life. This dude was a psychopath. He probably still is a psychopath. But this guy was crazy. And what happened was he wanted us to pour some of his driveway six inches. Well, we didn't have two by sixes. So we took two by fours and elevated them. And so we gave him six inches, but the finished face was four inches. And then what was underneath looked like rocks, but it was concrete. Well, this guy wasn't home when we poured. So he comes home and sees the finished face. And he calls me all drunk and is screaming at me. And I, had, I usually talk on speakerphone. I don't know if that just helps deal with stress or what. But I got, I'm on speakerphone and Jamie's in the other room. And Jamie, the craziest person ever. When I walked into the room, Jamie's like, I'm glad I don't have to do that. This dude was screaming at me as loud as he could scream at me. Belligerent, drunk, screaming at me. Threatening my family, threatening to stop all the payments. We had like three jobs going on the road. And this dude, I'll stop all the payments. I'll tell all the neighbors. And I'm trying to talk reasonably with this guy. And he's just screaming at me. And he called me on Saturday. I couldn't even talk to the guy till Tuesday. He stole like four days of my life. That's all I was doing was worrying. I should have took a cue from my dad. My dad was like, ah, whatever. Like, <laughs> he's got more experience than me. So I'm like worrying about it. I'm like, man, we didn't rip this guy off, but how am I going to prove this to this guy without drilling into his slab and getting into all this mess and all these legal issues? And guys, I'll tell you what, for those four days, my heart was like, go the way of the sinner, dude. Like, go in there and start screaming at this guy. Like, I wanted to. Like, he ruined my whole weekend. He is a total jerk. I wanted to rip into this dude. I wanted to be like, take me to court, dog. I'll ruin you. Like, I wanted, I wanted to, like, take his blow and blow back. That's what I wanted to do. And I was, like, driving in the truck, and I'm like, 
I don't know if you guys do this. I'm a crazy guy. I'll, like, walk through conversations, like, in the truck. Like, oh, yeah, and another thing. Like, I was doing that for four days. And guys, at the end of the day, though, all the time when I'm doing this, I'm going back to the idea of, like, it's like, dude, just keep your cool. Like, I, I don't know why, but that passage in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount where it says that the flowers are clothed beautifully, you know, why wouldn't the Lord take care of you? Obviously a paraphrase. But that kept coming to me, that idea. It's like, dude, you have to just trust that it's going to be all right. And so this dude texted me on Tuesday, and I go to meet him. I took my brother with him because I seriously was like, this guy might shoot me. This guy is a psycho. Like, he goes, I don't even know what I'm going to do to you if you didn't pour it six inches. That's what he said to me. So it was crazy, but I took my brother with me, which Kyle didn't have a gun or anything, so it's like we just both got shot. But <laughs> Kyle's with me, and, you know, the dude opens the door, and I'm like, hey, man, like, let's go look at the driver. He goes, hey, why don't you come on in? I'm like, is it? I'm a... I'm going to walk in this door, and I'm going to, like, my eyes are going to be open. I'm going to see St. Paul at the pearly gates. Or St. Peter. St. Peter. I'm not Catholic, so. But, yeah, I was like, this is it. This dude's going to cap me right now. So, anyways, I walk in, and I start my spiel about how I can prove to him that at six inches, I turn around, guys, and this dude is crying. He's got tears in his eye. He's like some old curmudgeon, and he is crying. And, guys, those four days that I was all angry, I believe the Lord was working on that dude's heart. I mean, I'm not saying that that dude is a Christian, but I decided to not go in there and throw punches. This dude cried, and he bought my son toys, and he bought me some drinks. It was like, I just hope you'll... He gave me the most sincere apology I've ever gotten. He shook my hand, and you know what, guys? No amount of screaming... No amount of threatening another lawyer, no amount of dragging him in the street and beating him up, no amount of any of that stuff can make that old man cry. If I had threatened him, his ego probably would have flared up. But you know what, church? God can do miracles like that. That's a miracle. That dude's a grumpy old man. Grumpy old men are stubborn. That is a miracle that God changed that dude's heart. And guys, I didn't, like, I was debating on just screaming at this guy. Like, it wasn't like I was like, it will all work out. I just made a decision at the end to hope that it worked out. And guys, God made it work out. I had a choice. Do I delight in the law of the Lord? Do I take the loving, peaceful approach? Or do I walk in the way of the sinner? Do I become like this man and stoop down? Guys, I was rewarded for it that time. We were rewarded for it that time. This guy wants us to tear out some sidewalk that cracked. It's not our fault, but we're going to do it. So we'll see. The saga might not be over, but, <laughs> but we'll see. I'm going to delight in the law of the Lord with him. But regardless, <clears throat> regardless, we have these choices, church. And it says, the Bible says, this poem says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, not the one who embraces the way of the sinner. And so guys, after this, uh, this choice that we're given, we get two images. We're given two images to inform our choice. These are the two images that we get. First, we get the tree, right? Let's read it in verse 3. It says, he is like a tree 
The person who is blessed, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and, and its leaves do not wither and all that he does, he prospers. That's the tree. John, will you throw up a picture of the tree for those of us who don't know what trees look like? Boom! Right by a river. Look at that thing. Tall and valiant and beautiful. Church, that's the image we get. A tree, everything it does prospers. It produces abundant fruit in its season. It is healthy and well. Its leaves never wither. That is the person who delights in the law of the Lord. And the next one is something that maybe we are not all familiar with. You know, but Google's a great thing, but so you guys don't have to Google it. We get the image of chaff. It says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. John, will you show a picture of chaff? If you guys aren't farmers, which I don't know if you are, I'm not. I didn't know what chaff was. But basically, guys, when you harvest wheat and when you harvest corn, you have to separate the wheat kernels from the chaff, the useless stuff. And guys, what they'll do is they'll take bundles of it and they just shake it. And the chaff falls away and the wind takes it away. It's that weak. All you got to do is go like this. Guys, that is the image of the wicked man, the one who stands in the way of sinners. He is not strong with deep roots, with uh, abundant leaves. He is like chaff that is so weak and so frail that they can be shaken away. Those are the choices that are given to us in the psalm. These two images inform your choice. Do you want to be like the tree? Or do you want to be like the chaff? Weak, strong. The image is that simple. And then church, we have a result. Let's read 5 and 6. It says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Church, the result of the choice that we make, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. He is with you on that path. You are blessed on that path. The way of the righteous, the way that delights in the law of the Lord. The way of the wicked, the way of the sinner, the one where you sit down and dwell in it and become a scoffer. Those people will perish. That is the result that you have. And church, no one can make right decisions all the time, right? We all have hearts that call us to sin, and sometimes we do sin. Church, when we sin, we put the blessings that we have in jeopardy. See, God is gracious enough to give even sinners blessings, Guys, I talked about the blessings in my life at the beginning of this sermon. I have a son who's one years old. I have a house. I have a beautiful wife. Guys, I am blessed beyond measure. I have a job that lets me pay my bills. I am blessed beyond measure. I'll lay in bed sometimes and go, man, my life rules. I love this life. I am thoroughly blessed. But you know what, church? That has nothing to do with me. God has been good to me thus far, and I have been as faithful as I can be. But church, if I decide to walk in the way of the wicked, I can lose my blessings like that. I 
have a beautiful wife who I really don't think would ever cheat on me. All it would take is one time for me to go out and go, ah, I think I'm going to cheat on my wife. And I would lose the blessing of a loving wife that trusts me. It's that easy. It's that devastating. One decision. You lose it all. One decision. Walk in the way of the wicked. Sit amongst the scoffers. One decision. We're faced with it over and over again. Every time we encounter anything in this life, we have a choice. There are branching paths. We can choose to do one thing or another. Church, I have a son. I am blessed to watch him grow every day. But if I go home at 5 p.m. and I get blackout drunk every single day, I miss the blessing of watching my son grow up. It is that simple. You all probably have blessings in your life. I am certain, no matter how dark your life is, you are blessed in one way or another. Church, I encourage you to look at your life and look for the blessings that God has given you. And know that we can lose those blessings. Church, if I ever decide to walk in the way of the wicked and I lose my blessings, that doesn't make these words any less true. That just means that I'm a weak schmuck. That's it. And church, we all can be that. We all can be that. We all can make that wrong decision. Know that about yourself. I know that about myself. It keeps us on guard, keeps us on our toes. Church, Walk in the way of the wicked or delight in the law of the Lord. Do you want to be blessed or do you want to perish? That is the moral compass that we enter into the Psalms with because it is all-encompassing. The choice is to you and it is to me. We can listen to the Lord or we can listen to our own hearts. We can fall into sin or we can push against it and delight in God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just want to come to you today. Thank you for this day, Lord. Um, thank you for this group of people. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Lord, uh, sometimes your, wor your word hits us as harsh. Uh, sometimes your word might seem unforgiving to us, but Lord, your information that you give us, the word that you give to us, it is a wise word. Lord, I ask that you would soften all of our hearts to embrace that wisdom, Lord. And I ask that you would be with each one of us here and give us strength and wisdom to delight in your law even when we don't want to. Lord, I ask that you would bless everyone in here that does delight in your law. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would just be with us and keep us all safe and healthy. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.